Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the Kettlecast, I talk to Taylor Willoughby about the seasons that John Collins and Alex Lynn had. We also talk a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks offseason and what they could possibly do with their bevy of draft picks. Without further ado, let's get into it. I would like to welcome Taylor Willoughby back to the Kettlecast. We're going to be talking about John Collins and Alex Lynn's regular seasons, but before we get to that, Taylor, what did you think of the Hawks' end of their regular season? Pretty excited, actually. I thought we closed well. It was exciting into the season. We, When we talked last, I was pretty stoked about how fun we were to watch, even though we were purposefully not tanking, but retooling while remaining competitive. I, I genuinely enjoyed each game, but Trey's progression was pretty fantastic. I was excited to see good old Mr. Baptist come out of the injury and actually make an impact. Pretty scared losing Bud, but even we talked about Lloyd when we, when we talked last time, and Excited about how he was doing in general, about how he was probably good for what we were doing right now. It was an interesting season, to say the least. For sure. To kind of get into the meat of what we're going to talk about, what do you think of John Collins' season? This is his second year, um, and you kind of alluded to the fact that he had injuries this season. What, What were your thoughts on his season? I was happy about his dunk contest appearance. I'm glad that he's kind of getting recognition across the league as kind of being this offensive athletic freak. I'm pretty interested or concerned about whether or not he'll be an all-star at some point. Knowing that he's kind of a top two player on our team, I wonder if having Trey and John Collins as a top two without picking somebody up makes us good enough to be one of the best in the league soon. It's pretty hard to tell when it's a rookie and a sophomore that are your top two players though of course if we're just looking at his stats he certainly improved from last season even though he only played in 61 games which was down from 74 in his rookie year he actually played more minutes overall which was encouraging going from just under 1800 minutes played 1,785 to just over 1,800 with 1,829 minutes. I think it was a little bit frustrating that he started off the season with that injury and it mirrored the time that Trey was getting his feet wet in the NBA and had his struggles. Yeah, I think that kind of immediately goes back to what I was saying about Lloyd versus Bud is that it was crazy how much Lloyd Pierce played the youngsters compared to Bud. I don't, I don't think John Collins made some drastic leap. I'm sure, of course, everyone gets better in their first offseason. But I think John Collins was showing lots of flashes, even in his rookie season. But his minutes were quite limited compared to this year. Lloyd knows that without growing him and, and Trey, of course, they're not going to get anywhere fast. I was excited to see him have an opportunity to put up the stats, which helps him get that recognition across the league. On a smaller market is weird because Atlanta's not necessarily a small market, but not one of the huge teams that get a ton of media coverage. You need to put up numbers to get recognized on, on the big media channels. Yeah, I think your point about him being in the dunk contest and also just putting up numbers to draw attention to him 
are things that you put perfectly just by saying he, those are things he has to do if he wants to get attention when he's playing in Atlanta. And we can look at some of the increases that he had per game from his uh, rookie to his sophomore year. I mean, he went from playing 24 minutes a game to 30 minutes a game. He went from 10 points to 19 and a half points. He went from seven rebounds a game to about 10 rebounds a game, 9.8. One of the big things that was pretty impressive is him going from taking about half a three-point attempt a game, 0.6 attempts per game, to 2.6 attempts per game this year. And he went from shooting 34% to shooting 34.5%. So he basically kept the same percentage, maybe increasing a little bit on his three-point shooting taking five times as many threes that part of his game in college i think he might have taken one three-pointer for him to be taking two and a half a game is just incredible and really raises his offensive ceiling which is already that was his best part of the floor so what do you think of his growth on the offensive side of the ball i was excited the number one thing that gets people out of their seats is uh, a Colin slam in the farm. Uh, so of yeah. course that's fun to watch. The three point increase is fun and definitely something to talk about, especially since I was actually talking to uh, your dad about a month or a month or two ago. And he said the exact same thing about Alex Lynn mm-hmm. foreshadowing to who we're going to talk to about later, who also I think doubled how many three point shots he was taking. I don't know if this is just going to be happening with every single center or four in the league just because it's kind of required for everyone. It definitely something that John is going to have to be really good at because he's not some sort of defensive freak. So I don't mm-hmm. think he's ever going to be sitting down low, dominating the paint or making sure and eliminating drives just because for being someone who's, what is he like six, nine, six, ten. It, I, you hear about his wingspan not being that large. I was reading an article earlier about how he averages a pretty low number of blocks for someone of his height and position. Sure. Uh, so I think unless he expands to being able to kind of space the floor, make threes, and kind of have a really well-rounded offensive game, he's not going to be the most complete all-star. He's definitely going to have to dominate on the offense. And those super high-efficiency three-point shots are going to be the bread and butter ideally one of the coolest things that at least you can see on basketballreference.com is they have a shooting section and it shows the percentage of field goal attempts by distance from the basket and his first year he was taking about 90 percent of his shots from the two points area and in the sophomore year that went down to 80 percent and his percentage from zero to three feet didn't really change that much um it was 59% 59% in the first year to 55%, 54% in the second year. But his percentages from 10 feet to the three-point line, which was 16% in his first year, went down to 8% in his second year. And then three-point percentage went from 9% to 19%. So he really focused on taking out those long mid-range shots he has that ratio or or whatever you want to call it for what Houston the Houston Rockets are doing where they're either getting shots at the rim or shooting three-pointers and John his shooting percentage is just uh, or his breakdown it's just pretty reflective of that which I thought was pretty cool and pretty awesome to see the stats also it shows like the average distance of his shot his first year it was 5.7 feet in his second year, it's seven and a half feet. So he considerably increased the distance of his shot, 
which I think reflects just him taking that many more three-pointers. To see that focus, and you know, we can talk about him shooting these threes or whatever, but to see that reflected in the numbers was pretty cool. Yeah, welcome to 2019, the death of the mid-range jumper. <laughs> Unless your name is John Wall, I guess. It's a requirement of any offensive powerhouse. Same thing was happening with Giannis. You saw the fun stat where, like, per month, Giannis was increasing his three-point percentage by 6% a month or something ridiculous for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other crazy stat I saw about the three-point shot and why it's important is that the number of offensive rebounds apparently just skyrockets when you increase the number of three-point shots you have. Because if you're playing small ball or you have a power forward like John who isn't necessarily down there dominating the paint, the rebound on a three-point shot pops out so much further on average. just has so much more velocity on it. it. Having our players integrate that is definitely good news for the Hawks, especially when it's your star. Yeah, and then finally, we can call this the Trey Young effect. We talked about how John played more minutes this year than last year. It wasn't a ton more minutes, but he played about 40 more minutes, so I guess about one game's worth. He went from having 123 dunks his rookie year to 157 dunks. And it was just really fun to see the connection that he and Trey Young have. I should have it right in front of me, and I'm pretty sure they were either number one or number two for most assisted combo in the NBA, just of guys having assists between two different guys. And getting a player like Trey Young, it just is such a luxury to have a John Collins who will go up and get it, first of all, and is just willing to have, uh, you know, I, Trey helps John just as much as John helps Trey, but John had a great rookie season and was kind of looked at to be one of these stars, and for him just to accept Trey Young coming in was pretty mature of him. I love the the Trey and John friendship. I like <laughs> Trey supporting him when he was botched a couple components of the dunk contest, being right there on the <laughs> sidelines fun. I think they obviously pull a lot of attention away from each other. Every single time I texted you during a Hawks game in all caps was probably because of a trade of John Alleyoub, which was nuts. Definitely one of the most fun components of Atlanta Hawks basketball to watch right now. And the fact that they're both just so young and back-to-back years should give Hawks fans a lot of excitement. You should get down to the farm and see them play. It just gives the Hawks some time to build a core around these guys. I don't know if you heard the Blake Griffin shenanigans that went on with just his eye emojis and and things like that, but (laughs) John Collins was in some of those trade packages that the whole rumor that he was being traded. Is John Collins untouchable for you, or is he a player who's really good and, like you said, We think he has this all-star ceiling, but even you said you weren't positive that a core of him and Trey would be enough to lift the Hawks to where they want to go. I don't think he's untouchable. I think he's untouchable this year. Let me Mm -hmm. rephrase immediately. Seeing what he turns into his third year Uh and still having trade value with two years left would be a way smarter move. Like I don't think that Schlenk is walking into the draft packaging eight or 10 with Collins for Blake Griffin. I just don't think it's even an option right now. Right. Uh, The Hawks probably want to be a spot that turns into where you grow young players. Bud brought it, the the kind of development program from the Spurs, and we're slowly getting Spurs of the East when we had the longest playoff run and kind of the development series. I would love to be that. I don't think you become that by growing a guy and having him be on 
the all-rookie or second all-rookie team two years in a row and then getting rid of them, which I, I would be upset if only because I think it would be bad from a business perspective and kind of chance of us growing into a contender, but also just because I love John Collins. <laughs> the only jersey I have is the John Collins throwback. Obviously, I want him to be untouchable. <laughs> Finally, what are your hopes for him going forward into his third season? I'd like for the defense to come about. That's the pipe dream. That Almost the inverse of Kawhi, where he has this defensive mastermind who creates an offensive game. It'd be incredible if John Collins did the inverse. I want to see the Trey and John Collins connection become the talk of the league. I'm not sure any specifics outside of that. Those are my primary dream. Yeah, my biggest thing for him is for him to have a whole season without getting injured. Um, His first season, he played in 74 games. In his second season, he played in 61 games. If he can play all 82 or he's just being held out kind of like Trey was this year out of one game or something, our training staff has seemed, the new training staff seems to do a good job of keeping guys healthy and to see John Collins go through an entire season being able to play would be kind of my goal for him. Yeah, it's a good one. Consistency is definitely something that is frequently forgotten, but is pretty important. I mean, you look at LeBron who has a ridiculous amount of minutes and somehow stays healthy, uh, of course, except for this year, but for so long. And it's it's a nice commodity to have a player that you can count on every single night to be present. That's a really good point. And between him and Trey, they've kind of made the Hawks not just a fun team to watch, but uh, players on other teams, both Trey and John, have good reputations amongst those guys. It seems like Donovan Mitchell really likes John Collins, and they're kind of making Atlanta a place that other players want to come, or they at least know that, like, oh, they got John, they got Trey, and it'd be a fun place to go play. Yeah, if he can just contribute in all games, that would be huge for him. Well, let's go on from John Collins to a bench player, or a guy who didn't finish the season on the bench, Alex Lynn, who had his first season as an Atlanta Hawk this year. What did you think about his season, and why did you pick him to talk about? Mr. Lynn, when you told me that we'd be talking about kind of my favorite player, of course, and then pick one other, I, uh, I had to almost tongue-in-cheek pick Alex Lynn. Throughout the season, I'm not going to say I spoke down about, but I didn't speak ridiculously highly about our second-string center. But when I was choosing, of course, my girlfriend Trish went to Maryland, and to her, Alex Lynn's the best player in the league. I had to remind her that our <laughs> blossoming rookie other than trey also went there and she didn't know kevin's name so (laughs) of the of the comments that she made she said oh yeah our gigantic center who helped us dominate and then also put that guy in a headlock when he's at maryland so i was like okay perfect now i know everything i need to know about alex lynn's college career i don't know what to think about players like lynn long term. i can immediately ask you if if, if you thought we were to extend bembry for a while or keep lynn around and then try to just keep a large center just because you need to have one almost out of matchup's sake mm-hmm. in the playoffs. What What are your thoughts? Do you want? Do you extend Bembry for a long time and use Lynn as a trade piece or vice versa? You're talking to me about Bembry, who's a player I have an irrational fondness for. <laughs> and I do think that they play. Lynn is a center, and Bembry is like more of a six-man type. And I think you need both those guys. And it is interesting because I don't think they're 
huge contract guys and maybe the fact that you're like saying you have to extend one or the other is because they might take up about the same amount of space on a on your your sheet with all your contracts but you know Alex Lynn I think you put it perfectly you just have to have a center of that type on your team so that you're able to play that kind of style of basketball and Alex Lynn you you talked about how you were a little down on him, and I certainly gave him some strong judgments at the beginning of the season and during the season. One was just the way that they were getting all the bigs the ball. I really didn't enjoy the bounce passes down low, and it felt like trying to make Deadman or Lynn have to catch a bounce pass near their knees just wasn't the way to get the ball to them. But Alex Lynn seems to miss one duck a game, or it seemed that way at the beginning of the season, and it was like, Dude, you're seven feet tall. You can just dunk it. And it's easy he, for us to say. <laughs> easy for us to say. You know, he was the number four pick overall or, thing, or number three. And this was his sixth season in the league. Alex Lynn just looks like an NBA player. And one thing I do appreciate about Alex is that he really tries hard and he wants to be making the right play. He ended up having a really nice season for the Hawks. And so it's a difficult question. I think they're in different parts of their development curve. Just because Alex is kind of settling into what he's going to be in Bembry, we got our first full real season with him without any injuries. So I'm glad we don't have to make a decision between the two of them. And I'm happy we get another year with both of them. It's going to be interesting to see. I think Alex Lynn has made himself, he's definitely an NBA player. And to see what he does on the second year of his contract here, it'll be interesting. I mean... He played in 77 games for the Hawks. He was at, he started for 31. If we didn't have him, I love Dwayne Dedman, but Dwayne Dedman couldn't make it the entire season. You were talking about his three-point shot earlier. It's incredible him coming here and suddenly shooting threes. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but he had never attempted more than 12 three-pointers in a season, and he attempted 204 this year. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the dream. Is I didn't follow Lynn very closely at all. I was almost even trying to learn about him coming into this because I feel like I had such a skewed judgment of just knowing his career from one season on the Hawks. I remember in the back two thirds of the season, the amount of times where Lynn actually was a cornerstone, a game win. Uh, we would kind of break that fifteen to twenty point threshold, collect a bunch of boards, be a quality outlook pass for Trey, especially got once he once Trey kind of grew into where the heck to put the ball for a seven foot guy. It was nice to see. I think the other piece, I mean, the Suns are not necessarily known for their player development. So it's yep. weird thinking that maybe Lynn actually could turn into a much better role player if he's in the right situation and maybe coming out of tanking into a developing contender team like the Hawks with a bunch of rookies that are doing the same thing under good guidance is a possibility. I mean, that's, that's the dream of course. I mean, the fact that he was willing to change his game so much in one season in a new spot is definitely commendable for him. 100% agree. And I know that, coming to play with a point guard like Trey Young was one of his incentives for coming and signing with the Hawks. And his screening is one thing that certainly helped Trey out. He, he's willing to go set those screens. And, of course, you're always going to get a couple of those moving screen fouls if you do that. But I couldn't agree more with you on him coming in and willing to embrace shooting threes. And 
coming in and taking advantage of he was coming off the bench to start this season. There was no promise of him getting to start. And he was able to turn it into a season that he got 31 starts. And that's pretty, pretty awesome. Going to games, I mean, he ended up having 32 games with 10 to 19 points, nine games with 20 to 29 points. And he had one 30 to 39 point game. He came in, yeah, he scored 33 points against the Milwaukee Bucks. I went to that Atlanta-Milwaukee game in Milwaukee, and I don't know if they played in Milwaukee twice this year, but I did not remember him doing that well. Maybe that's because the Bucks were up by 20 at the end of the first yeah. quarter, and I was slightly skewed in my opinion of how everyone was playing. That's surprising. I mean, that's a lot of points put up against the Bucks, especially with the, the lineup that the Bucks are putting on the field. It's not like he's going to be able to body most of the players the athletic freaks that the bucks are starting and that game he was six of 12 from three-point land i mean (laughs) yeah so he had games of 12 three-point attempts eight seven seven a bunch with six and a bunch with five but he was not afraid to let it fly and he had a game where he his three-pointer was the one that sent it to overtime he wasn't only just like taking the shot he was willing to to make tough shots I was skeptical of Alex Lynn, and when any sort of top five pick doesn't make it to their second contract with the team that drafted them, it's fair to be skeptical of them. I think it's also fair to kind of, like you said, maybe be skeptical of the place they were drafted to because, yeah, Phoenix is is certainly not any sort of place that players go to get developed right now. Alex Lynn came in. He is a piece. He's only 25 years old. I know the Hawks are looking at an old man. (laughs) He does. He does. He does, but that's the benefits of being drafted after your freshman year of college. The Hawks are looking to continue to have Dwayne Dedman, but Alex Lynn can provide a more than capable backup for the Hawks. And you think about having John Collins and Trey Young, and you're like, well, center is a place that you might have a need for a guy. And it's like, you know, with Alex Lynn and Dwayne Dedman, that spot can be pretty held down comp- competently. Maybe we can take some shots on some wing guys. I, I like Torian. I like Bimbry. I like Kevin Herter. But to me, that wing position is extremely important in this NBA right now. And Alex Lynn has played well enough where I, that I don't think center is a place of need or a place you need to use a resource such as a top 10 pick. Yeah, I don't think you need that star down there. I mean, who do we? Who in the league is there? Joel, Giannis, somewhat. But, I mean, as we already mentioned, he's extending out. He's not like he plays like a true center. Nikola Jokic. Jokic, of course. Rudy Gobert. The most common person to forget, Gobert and Jokic. (laughs) Clint Clint Uh, Capella. I was almost upset when we got rid of Ilyasova, too, though. Mm -hmm. I feel like I like Ilyasova far more than Len. I don't even know how old Ilyasova is. Like 33. Oh, Len definitely seems like the more intuitive pick for a long-term solution. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was very pleasantly surprised with the way that Len especially finished the season. Yeah, just to sort of reiterate, the one thing that really went down for him in his year with Atlanta is his rebounds went down from seven and a half last year to five and a half this year. And I think for both him and John Collins, that's a reflection of just where they're asked to be on the court, shooting threes, spacing the court, not always being down low. Rebounding is always going to be something that's going to have to be a team job for the Hawks, especially with the way they have their offense set up. 
Alex Lynn really did more than he did, even just with the, going to a bunch of games. Then you look at his stats, and you're like, wow, he had a really good season for the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the fact that he could roll in and be impactful late in the season with, with Bembry being hit or miss health-wise was definitely it's better than I think anyone could have guessed at the beginning of the season. All right, Tay. Well, we've gotten through Alex and John Collins. Going forward into this offseason, what are the hopes that you have for just the Hawks as a team? Do you have any thoughts on what their draft situation is? They have these five picks going in. Just what are your kind of hopes that this offseason off brings? I don't think we're going to keep five picks. I mm-hmm. think it's too good to know that drafting five rookies and then not having room on the roster to sign them is is worthwhile. Like I mentioned I was I've, I've joked before that hopefully we trade ten and eight back to nineteen and we can get <laughs> our our third John Collins Kevin Herter steal who's worth <laughs> way more than the nineteenth pick, especially in a somewhat flat draft where ten and eight might be super valuable. But I have no idea. If, in reality, not joking. I, I have no idea if we're going to try to package ten and eight to move up. Outside of the draft, I'm not sure what I want from this season. I don't think we're ready to push for an eight seed and make the playoffs. Of course, saying that, quite bitter about the fact that we we were retooling while remaining competitive perfectly to be in the chance for the for the lottery and then fall to eight and ten with our pick in the Mavs. So maybe Silver's uh, changes have worked perfectly where now I just want us to start being competitive and try to get lucky in free agency maybe. <laughs> That's interesting talking about how the changes in the lottery maybe would want you just to have the Hawks be in the playoffs. And I think, you know, it it was kind of the Hawks chances of getting the eight pick was actually lower than them getting their odds of getting the number one overall pick. It's going to be real interesting to see what Schling does with these five picks, because he certainly, as he showed with the Trey Young and Luka Doncic trade, that he's not afraid to really make a stand on the guy he thinks is going to be good. And he's made it clear that, yeah, like we have five picks. We're not going to have five rookies going in if they continue to amass picks and move into later and later drafts or if they move move up and try to really take a shot at a guy they really like. It's going to be it's really kind of it would have been a lot of fun to have one of those top three picks, but it adds a very much uh, a bigger variability, I think, by having eight and ten to see what Schlenk does with that. And I'm excited to see it. As far as like getting a max contract guy today, it was put in the AJC that, you know, Schlenk, when he first accepted this job as GM of the Hawks, his whole plan was to come after Clay Thompson when Clay was a free agent. I would agree that I don't think the Warriors let Clay get away. But if they don't offer him the max, and this is what Michael Cunningham put into his article, the Hawks, I think, will have a chance to at least pitch him, which. As any Hawks fan knows, getting just a, a star free agent just to come and be pitched would be a huge for our organization. So it's going to be a fun offseason. My two comments there are, man, good thing Clay didn't make freaking uh, all team oh. and be worth $30 more because that makes it so much easier to make a drastic pitch and not <laughs> handicap ourselves for a while if Clay can't carry a team, surprisingly, after we see what he's like without having Steph Curry beside him. And then second, pretty excited because of Schlenk's proven that he can do anything. It's that he can make a drastic move that keeps the Hawks in the spotlight for an entire season. You're right. I want to thank Taylor for coming on to the Kettlecast once again. If you can leave a 
review or rating on whatever platform you're using to listen to the Kettlecast. That would be a very big help to me. And also, if you can recommend the Kettlecast to any of your friends who are big into basketball or, or into the Hawks. You can always reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. And go Hawks!